Last week we were able to go to Leah's parents, um, celebrate their 50th anniversary, so wedding anniversary. So it's just a privilege to go and and celebrate with them. And so we got to go to church with them. And um, it, it was kind of a funny scenario because, of course, I, was, I mean, I was raised in traditional church, and of course we went to you know, their church, which is a great church, and I love the people, and we just had an awesome time. But it was kind of funny. I realized how out of sync I we. Our, my family was with traditional services, considering Kristen, um, we got the hymnal out, and we were singing, uh, you know, a, a hymn, and she lost it after the first line. She didn't realize she was supposed to skip every four, every every other line. I was like, wow, I, we're in trouble. I've already, <laughs> we've gotten so far out of that, so, but I just really appreciate the roots that, that God had given us through the, the, the churches that we had grown up in and walked in, really just a good, firm foundation. Uh, for where we're at today, and, and so also just thinking about the 50, 50 years. I mean, that's that's a good amount of years to be together. Anybody got fifty years in here yet? Uh, all right, we need we have to get some fifty yearsers in here. Anybody coming close? Yeah, what are y'all at? Forty-two. All right. Unfortunately, when when your when your parents start getting to fifty, you start realizing mm, that makes me getting close. To 50, then <laughs> at some point within the next 10 years, I'm gonna hit that 50 mark probably. So that was the only bad, that was the only negative thing uh, about that whole thing. I'm like, wow, we're getting old. We, we <laughs> uh, so it's funny. We um, took them out to dinner at this really nice restaurant, and, and uh, of course, the, between the three siblings, we, you know, we paid for the meal. So it's funny. This. I was like, wow, that's a pretty expensive meal. It's the most expensive meal I've ever bought. Thank you. Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, if you're a guest, I am Coupon Man, and I don't like to pay a whole lot for food anywhere, but I like food, but I don't like to pay a whole lot for it. And so that was the most expensive meal that I've ever spent. Very good, but most expensive. And it was funny, Joe, uh, Joe Davidson called me. Uh, it's kind of like um, right after I found out that what the figure was, and I'm like, wow, okay, looks like we'll you know need to either dip into savings or get some something somewhere. And all of a sudden, Joe Davidson calls me and says, hey, you know, I got a side side job if you want to do it. We got to do it this week. And so I was like, oh, dude, right there, provision, right? So, oh my gosh. So it's Monday. You know, it's just pressure washing job. It's kind of my kind of take that day off anyway. So I was like, well, I'll just do that job then. Make the amount of money I needed to pay for the. I mean, that's a good deal right there. Work, you know, work pretty much just until the afternoon and make enough money to pay for that meal. Well, probably two thirds into the job, the pressure washer breaks, and I can't, I can't get it back started. I mean, I spent two hours, two excruciating hours, on a pressure washer that did not start. So then I went and borrowed one from somebody, and it worked for about five minutes. So I had to go and get that, come back. That worked for about five minutes, and then all of a sudden just stopped, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't do anymore. And so by that time, it was like 7 o'clock at night, which I should have been done at 2. Anybody been there where you worked on a job and thought you were going to be done by 2? That's really frustrating. And, um, man, I was so mad. I was like, you know, I do get mad every once in a while. Uh, I, I got mad, and, and so, you know, I'm like, gosh. And so I got the region guys. They were going to bring me a pressure washer the next day and I finished it up but as I was going home that night excruciatingly like oh my gosh this is like 
the worst day of my life. You know, you get in that mindset, the worst day of my life. And, and, I, and all of a sudden, I felt the Lord was just saying, you know, Mitch, how many days do you have in your life? Of course, you know, being the mathematician I was, I was trying to add those up real quick. But I, did, I just said the, the normal, well, thousands. And then he said, so you're going to let this one ruin that? Like in the, in the scheme of all of that, this is nothing. Like this is just a day. It'll, you'll get by it. And the Lord just all of a sudden gave me perspective. And all of a sudden I could feel that anger going, okay, maybe, maybe I don't, maybe in the perspective of all that, I don't, I don't really need to go there. And all of a sudden the Lord just started giving me revelation of this and uh, this, a view to the cross. And that's, I don't even have a handout. The Lord, really, the last couple of times I haven't even been able to do, felt, felt like the Lord's just saying, get up there and we're going we're gonna to start sharing it. I want you to turn to John 6. If you have your word, I'm going to have the words up here if you didn't bring your Bible. And, um, we're just going to go through. The, just kept feeling like view to the cross. It's interesting about, I don't know, how, how long has Shay been married? Seven years? Six years? Come on, somebody help me out. Shay, six years? Shay, Rick's uh, son, um, Got married, of course, he got married in Macedonia to a Macedonian girl, and um, uh, Leela, um, which is very hard when you start mixing Leela and Leah. And so we were, <laughs> Rick's always calling Leah, Leah, La, and Leah, Leela, Leah. So, but it was, it was so funny. We went over to Skopje, and so Leah was already on a mission trip with Rick, and they were in Croatia and stuff, and then we met him for the uh, ceremony in Macedonia. Paula and I drove, or flew over to meet Rick and Leah. They were already there. And so Macedonia and Skopje is just really just beautiful countryside. And it's a, it's a city, but I mean, come on. Like when you compare it to like New York City, it's like not even close. It's just a, the city is just, it's just a big spread out. I mean, it's spread out. I mean, but it is the capital of, of Macedonia. But you didn't see any like tall sky rises or anything, which is great for me. I like that setting. I actually like really, really enjoyed Scopey. But the one thing in Scopey that really um, showed me a lot was up on top of the mountain. So it's kind of like a, it's like a city down over the mountain. And up on the mountain is this ginormous cross that they erected at some point. And um, it was really interesting. As soon as I got there, I always knew where I was going, even though I never knew the city. I didn't know the city at all. How did I know that? Because I always had my bearings. Because I could always do what? I could always look up to the cross and know exactly where I was at. And that's where the Lord has just really highlighted to me today. That there's a place in our lives that we've got to come to a place where everything that we do, all of our bearings always go back to what Jesus has done, did, and is still doing by the work of the cross. By the work of the cross, I always know where I'm going, I can always have my bearings, and I can always know. Like I said, I didn't know a thing about the city, but, you know, we went to the church. As soon as I got to the church, saw the cross, I knew where the church was. I, I mean, I could start walking and get back to our apartment because I knew where the apartment was in relationship to the cross. And so that was just amazing to me, like how I didn't feel lost at all in a city that I did not, had never been to because of the cross. And I think that's where we got to get to. We cannot be lost in this life if we'll allow the cross, the work of the cross, to be done in our hearts and our lives. And so that's where we're going to go today. And 
Of course, it's interesting. The Lord kept, I mean, I kept trying to go just to some of the resurrection scriptures, which we might, go, we might get to depending on how, I'm not sure how long I have and we'll go. But, but the reality is the Lord just kept taking me back to John 6. And I'm like, Lord, this isn't, like, I need to be in John, like, 1920 <laughs> at the end. I need to be at the end. And the Lord said, no, keep, go back to John 6. And so, all right. So after I debated with the Lord a little bit, I'm like, all right. So I started reading. It's really interesting. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And a great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he saw, sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Uh-oh. You know what I never realized that John 6 was in reference to? It was the Passover. You know, in the Passover, what we just kind of were celebrating in this uh, framework of Easter, that we celebrate the Passover. We celebrate what Jesus did by, you know, the, putting the blood over the, uh, the, the, their doors. And, and uh, you know, the, it was the Passover. You know, that was kind of the Passover thing. And then, of course, the, him leading them out of Egypt uh, in, through the Red Sea and you know, into eventually the Promised Land. But he did a lot of stuff in the wilderness there, you know, along the way. But that's why we celebrate Passover. You know, I'm not a big, I wish, I, I was thinking, I wish I had about another hour I'd get Doug up here and he just can, you know, explain. And he just has done a lot of uh, being uh, fourth Jewish himself. <laughs> I always thought you were all Jewish and then uh, you're fourth Jewish himself. He just does a lot of work with that and, and even has been teaching a Jewish class, Jewish roots class. And it's just amazing some of that. But I, I started realizing that, man, if you start reading this scripture, the, the feeding of the 5,000, I had never re- read it in reference to the Passover. That's a whole different ballgame now. Because think about this. Uh, what was one of the first things when they got across the sea and all of a sudden they were like free, but in their freedom, now they needed what? Provision, right? And it's like, oh my. You know, here we've stepped out into freedom. Sometimes it's Sometimes we don't take steps out into freedom because we don't know what's there. I mean... Sometimes that's scarier than just staying in bondage. Actually, it is much easier to stay in bondage because of that. But all of a sudden, the people stepped out, went through the Red Sea, and now they're on the Red Sea. And they know they've heard about the Promised Land, but they don't know what that looks like. They've heard, you know, they've, they've heard, but all of a sudden, they haven't seen it. So they know they're on their way, but they haven't gotten there. But all of a sudden, now they're they're vulnerable, right? They're at the point that they're over the Red Sea. And now what has God, what do they start doing? Lord, why did you bring us out here in the wilderness to let us die, right? So what's the first thing that Jesus did, does? He provides what? Manna and quail. Hmm. Read, think about that in reference to this. Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes in verse 5, and seeing that a great multitude was coming, he said to Philip, because they also wanted to make, the reality is that a lot of the Jewish people, they would they were looking for the Messiah to come during the Passover. Am I, am I right on that, maybe, uh, Doug? Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the Jews, I mean, when you start opening up the Passover, that's when they started thinking about, wow, the Messiah, the one to come. This could be it. This could be the season. This could be the day. Well, there he was, right in their midst. And he's going to perform the very same thing that Jesus, God, performed the day that he took them out of the wilderness. Look at this. Therefore, lifting up his eyes, seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, 
he said to Philip, Why are, where are we to buy bread that these may eat? And these, this he was saying to test him. He knew, he knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him saying, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive even a little. So they knew, the, they knew what the cost was going to be here. Like they couldn't do that on their own. There's no way. Philip, uh, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, at least, at least he kind of came and said, he took a valuation. He's like, well, what do we got? Let's, let's check and see what we got. Well, all he could come back with was, there's a lad here who had five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, 5,000. Jesus, therefore, took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Kind of, kind of, kind of represents the Last Supper, doesn't it? Broke the bread, started passing that out. Hmm. He distributed those who were seated, likewise of the fish, as they were wanted. And when they were filled, he said, "Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost." I just think that's significant. We're saying that there's nothing lost in me. I can always walk in this place of the abundance. The abundance of the kingdom is at hand. And the Lord's saying, I will not only multiply it, I will make more than enough. I am more than enough for you. And so all of a sudden, they, these people started getting this revelation of, man, wow, okay. To the point that look what they say. Because they you've got to realize, the Jewish people are looking for the Messiah. They're looking for a prophet to come out of Moses, like, just like Moses. You know, Moses came out and did all those of the signs and wonders, they're looking for something in that same vein. So all of a sudden he does this, and look what they say. They gather, or, and when the, therefore when the people saw the sign he had performed, they said, this is of the truth, the prophet who is, what, to come into the world. All of a sudden they start recognizing, wait a second, mm, this could be the one, maybe, possibly. Let's follow, let's see, you know. So all of a sudden <laughs> Jesus starts uh, perceiving they were in, look, even to the point, Jesus therefore perceived that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him what? King. Because that's what ultimately the people were looking for, right? A king to take them into, you know, the promised land of their own thoughts, and that's to what? Overtake the what? Roman Empire, right? They were, they were wanting Jesus to be that Messiah that comes in, delivers them, just like he delivered uh, Pharaoh, you know, Moses out of Pharaoh's hands. They were going to like, they were like, Oh, this is it. He's going to come and be king. So they were even going to come and take him by force. Jesus perceived that, and so he goes away. Now even he came, the disciples went to the sea, and we know this story as well. After getting into a boat, they started across the sea to Capernaum, and it had already been, become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. And the sea began to be stirred up because of a strong wind was blowing. When therefore they had rowed about three or four miles, they be, beheld Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to them, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, I am. It's I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's a place that God's always calling us that place. Don't be afraid. It's me. You can come to me. And it was really interesting. Verse 21 really captured my heart when I was reading back through this verse. Therefore, they were what? Willing to receive him into the boat. It's a place that the Lord wants to just work on us this morning of really receiving him back into the boat of our life. Yeah, because sometimes it's frightening. You know, sometimes we see what the Lord is kind of doing out there—the super, the crazy, the supernatural. He's walking on water. Looks like he's something other than he is, but he wants to come in and be with us, to be in that boat with us. Lord's calling us into that, receiving.
That's a, that's a word for us today. Receive him back into the boat. And immediately the boat was that land in which they were going. Isn't that cool? Takes you to places you couldn't get to on your own, right? It's like, bam, they're there. They're there. Yeah, beam me up, Scotty, right? But they, they were there. Next day, the multitude that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except one and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples. Hmm, figure, they're trying to figure out, scratching their heads going, Jesus got here, but he didn't leave in the boat. All right? It's kind of like that Red Sea deal, wasn't it? It's same, same type, Red Sea type. Split the sea, walk on it. There came after other boats from Tiberias near the place where they ate and the bread and the Lord. I think I left this part out up there. When the multitude had seen, saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they, still, they got into small boats and they came seeking Jesus and they found him on the other side, asking them, asking Jesus, how did you get here? Which is funny. Jesus answered them and said, and I think I got that. Truly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. It's interesting. The Lord just kind of, he calls them out a little bit each, each, each step of the way. He was saying, you seek me not because of even the signs, because the people before them were seeking him after the signs. You know, right when we started it, if you go back to verse 6. And a great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing. So now they, they came because of the signs. Now they came because they got the signs and they ate and they were what? Filled. And the Lord's saying, go a step further. Come to me. Like, it's awesome that the Lord does miracles. We believe for them. I hope somebody got healed today. I believe it. I believe they will. If they haven't yet, we're, we believe that those, these signs will follow. We're believing that. I believe that the Lord fills us up and gives us great food, spiritual food. But if that's all that my relationship with Jesus is about, him doing, him performing, him filling, man, it's going to be a very disappointing relationship at some point when the disappointment comes that maybe God didn't do exactly what I thought he was going to do or he didn't fill me up in the way I thought he was going to fill me up. No, we need to come to him because he is the Messiah. He is the one that came to this place, did what he did on the cross so that he could have relationship with us. He's always calling us to that relationship. So it's really interesting. But because you ate of the loaves and you were filled, that's interesting. I love this scripture. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. That's hard in this world, isn't it? Isn't it hard to like not work for the food that perishes that's what we're taught our american way is work work you know the the house the 2.5 kids the 2.5 cars you know the whatever else comes with the american way of life and we work our way into something that never has life in itself it always has life in itself in christ never has life outside of him so all of a sudden Jesus says, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. I love this response. They said, therefore, to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? That's a Mitch Simonis question. It's like, as soon as you get, as soon as it's like, oh, okay, just tell me what to do then. <laughs> Anybody been there? God, if you can just tell me what to do and I'll do it, then I'll feel good about myself. I'll live a good, godly Christian life, and I'll be good. Is that, is that what this Christian life's all about? I hope not. 
Man, the cross was so much more than that. What he did on the cross was so much more than that, than me doing a bunch of good things and being a good person all my life, which I hope to be. But it, remember, in the, the, re, the revelation of Christ himself in me, the hope of glory, that's what it's got to be. So this is the work of God. Jesus answers them. We've been on this We've been on this whole thing for, what, almost three months now? What have we been studying? Faith all boils down to it again. Jesus just comes back to him. If you want to work for me, if you want to do the works that I work, the works that I accomplished are going to be doing what? This is the work of God, that you believe in Christ whom he has sent. That's the work. Some of us can do some work this morning and believe in the Christ that he has sent. That's a, that's a place of work. Now, do we get to do awesome things for the kingdom? Yeah. God previously planned good works for us to accomplish. But they're never apart from the relationship of Christ himself, the hope of glory. They said, therefore, to him, <laughs> another great question, what then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Wait a second. Aren't these the same people that just ate and were filled? Wait. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. They just saw 5,000 people get fed on five loaves and two fishes. Isn't that amazing that sometimes in our spirit, we always, it's not enough for God to do one miracle. We've got to get him to do two. We've got to get him to do three just to confirm the first and second one, right? Just to make sure that those two weren't a fluke. And it's, it's almost like, wait a second, why am I? Why? Because there's always this thing, once again, calling us back into believing. Believing in him. Not having to see the works. Believing in who he is. And, you know, as we've been declaring, even as, over healing. I don't, when I pray for healing, I'm, I'm declaring that I'm going to see it. But even when I don't see it, I still believe. Because that's what God's called us to When do you see, and it says, what do you then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And God, uh, and then they they pointed out, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. (laughs) It's always so funny. Like, you just saw manna. You just saw the manna come from the 5,000 being fed. It says, the manna ate the, let's see, manna in the wilderness, as written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. So, I'm sure Jesus probably was maybe just a little, maybe could have been a little tweaked at that, but you know he didn't show it. All of a sudden, he just starts into this dissertation, and this is what I encourage you today. I love this. Jesus therefore said to them, "Truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven; it is my Father who gives you true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world." That's the bread. That's what we're celebrating today. The bread of life that came down out of heaven to give his life. So they said, therefore, which is, I guess, a good response. Lord, ever give this bread. I think they were thinking physically. I still think they were on the physical wavelength. Man, okay, this dude has physical bread that will give us life forever. I got to have it. (laughs) Give it to me. And once again... He draws them back to a place of what? Uh, no, it's me. It, it's me. He says what? I am the bread. 
I am the bread. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy trodden, and I will give you what? Rest. Come to me. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall not thirst. Anybody hungry or thirsty today? There's a place that God's saying, I am the bread of life. I have your the drink of life. You've been hungering, you've been thirsting, but it's been for the thirsting and hungering of the world. We all get into that, myself included. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, no, I'm, or I'm not immune to that, that pull. But there's a place that maybe we've been drinking at the wrong well, and we've been eating kind of out of the trash cans of life. And the Lord is saying, no, come begin to eat. Eat of me. That's what he was inviting the disciples to. Now he's going to invite them to even a deeper level of that here in just a second. They're gonna, it's going to mess them up a little bit. So let's keep going. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not what? Believe. So always taking them back to that place. Faith, like believe. Who is it that we believe? What is it that we believe? He's always drawing us back to that relationship. It's me. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. That's good news. Because some of us, sometimes you get in that place where you feel like, man, I, even if I came to him, he might just cast me out. Because I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I remember I'm the testimony of even being a Christian, even walking this Christian life up into, into my 20s and believing that God really didn't want to have anything to do with me. That's a believer. That doesn't. That scripture says right there, it doesn't say what I thought in my heart. He says, if I come to him, he's not going to cast me out. He's going to receive me. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him, the Father, who sent me, Jesus, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have what? Eternal life. That's, that's, what's, that's what it's at stake. Eternal life. Eternal life. Well, how do, what is that? Beholding the Son, seeing Him as He is, then you can become like Him. If I see Him in relationship to religion, I probably won't become like Him. I'll, be, I'll just be a, a good, good, probably Christian believer. You know, which, you know, that's, you know, keep going. I encourage you. But if I see him as he is, I become like him. That's my goal. It's not to be a good Christian, to be God-like, to Jesus-like. I want to be like him. I want to see him as he is. I love this. He who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will myself will raise him up on the last day. That's good news. That's good news because that's God saying he's there. All right, so let's keep going. The Jews, therefore... The longest, it's a long, probably the longest chapter in the book of John, probably in the New Testament. But it's good. The Jews, therefore, were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, is this not? So they were grumbling. They didn't like that fact. That he said, I'm coming out of heaven and I'm going to give bread and I'm going to give life to you. And they were saying, and they were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother, what? We know. How does he now say, I've come down out of heaven? What were they looking at that, at that point? They were looking out of their what? Earthly eyes. And he had just called them to say, B, 
behold the Son. And so if we look out of our earthly eyes, we won't, we're not going to get to see the full glory of who he is. I've got to see in a spiritual way. That's why I've got to come to him. That's that start. That, that decision for Jesus starts that spiritual walk. It opens our eyes to see and hear and, and our ears to hear. And so it's amazing. It says, <laughs> Jesus answered and said, don't, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father except the one who is from God, and he has seen the Father. Truly I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. He who believes has eternal life. And then once again, he goes back to that statement. I am the what? Bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came out of heaven. If anyone eats of the bread, he shall what? Live forever. And the bread also which I gave for him is the life of the world is my flesh. And now we're getting down to it. He's just starting to declare, this is how you're going to get the bread. I am going to die, and you're going to have to deal with that death on the cross. I am going to have to deal with that death in my heart, in my life. And so, therefore, some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, is this not the man? Is this not the man whom they were seeking to kill? And look, he is speaking publicly, and they are saying nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that this is the Christ, do they? However... Oh, whoops, I'm starting, and I skipped a page, sorry. (laughs) I was reading way, I was like, that doesn't sound right. Where am I at on there? 47, great, sorry. I just started reading on that page. Um, Truly, uh, I say to you, he believes in eternal life, I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread of life. This is the bread of life. And so, get that in your spirit. Get that in your spirit. I am the bread of life. Then verse 53, Jesus therefore said to them, Truly I say, and this is the challenge today. This is the challenge. Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Communion. Isn't that, isn't that what that is? Communion. That's the reality. That's why we, do, that's why we walk in communion. We're going to do communion here in a few minutes, but... The reality is that that's why we walk in communion, because he's calling us into this relationship. Is it eating his pure flesh or drinking his blood? We won't get into theological debates about that, but the reality is, is that there is a place that I need to walk in relationship with him. Drinking of what he did on the cross, eating of what he did on the cross, that's the more important part. Walking in what he did on the cross. It's really interesting. It says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. That's a good promise. Man, like this scripture is so rich. You could probably preach many different ones out of this. But 57, as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. And he who eats me, he shall live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, but he who eats this bread shall live forever. Man, when he starts repeating himself like that, you should, we should start paying attention. Because he's like, man, let me get this to you again. I am the bread of life. And I think sometimes even as believers, we lose sight of that. 
and we kind of get away from, we kind of get our love gets diverted, our, our thoughts get diverted. But just like in Macedonia, just in calling us today, allow our lives to be uh, always in line with where the cross is, that we can always find our way, knowing where that cross is. And some, maybe some of us have lost sight of where that's at in our lives, and I'm praying that the Lord will restore that. Because even in this passage, it's kind of a, kind of a sad passage from this part on out. Because that, that's not easy. It was really interesting. Uh, Leah went back to get a couple of our kids stayed with their cousins in Richmond. They went on up to Richmond. They got to do all sorts of fun stuff. And Caleb, they got to go to the coast and found all sorts of shark teeth and craziness like that. But Leah went back to pick them up. And so I stayed home. And Kenzie stayed home with, with me. And and uh, I just told her, hey, you know, we'll do something. If you want to go somewhere, we'll do something tonight, which was Friday night. And so all of a sudden, they were like, well, God's not dead is playing over at the cheap theater. You know, me and my coupon people. I can't, I can't pay $11 to go to a movie. I mean, that's like, that's like highway robbery, isn't it? I mean, like they're just stealing money out of your pocket. I feel like it. I just can't do it. It's tough. Definitely. Well, when you have six people in your family, when you have four kids and two people, I mean, that's almost like if I got popcorn and ice cream, throw a hundred dollar, throw a hundred dollar bill. I mean, down on a hundred dollars to go to a movie. What? Where, where's the Where's the dollar movie theater in this place when you need it? Lynchburg has a great dollar movie theater, by the way, and I am glad it's not here because then I would go watch dumb dollar movies that I would never go watch otherwise. So the Lord has spared me in that because I know I know I'll go do that. Oh, it's just a dollar. That's a good deal. Let's go watch. <laughs> so I don't know how it diverted there. But anyway, she went back to get the kids in Lynchburg. And the, the people, the, the cousins met them in Lynchburg. And so Kenzie and I went to watch God's Not Dead. Good movie. And uh, you know, there's, there's some good, great parts of it. There's some things I wish they would have added a little bit to. But it was really good in terms of, you know, just the reality of, you know, what... Christians will continue to face and face out there, and especially in the college setting, as as Tom Burby knows quite well. Um, but then uh, when we came home, we uh, they were debating, and we ended up watching The Passion. I was like, man, that's a tag team duo right there. God's not dead, and The Passion back to back. But it was just amazing when you know it's like, man, that's that's no wimpy thing that Jesus did. I couldn't even watch it like. I know I watched it the first time. I can't watch it the second time. Like, I mean, I watch The Passion, but I can't watch him when he gets beaten. When he gets his that, you know, flesh torn and things like that. I mean, it's too brutal for me. But it's like, it's no wimpy thing that he did for us. Like, how he died, how he died. And um, I wish I, I was going to show you a couple of things, but I couldn't even find a scene that either I wouldn't weep the, stew through and I wouldn't be able to make it through the rest of the message or it was just too it's like almost too graphic I can't, it's like it's amazing great great movie I mean great great job on that and I think one of the best scenes in there Lee always points out to me you're not gonna share about that are you? Yeah. Um, is the scene where you know the mother you know Mary says get me closer and so she goes around the other way and so he's going through the streets and and he falls down and of course Mary sees him and of course they have that interchange of you know, flashback when, you know, Jesus is a little boy and falls down and hurts his knee and 
Mary comes running, and then, of course, he's carrying the cross. The cross falls on him, and, and Mary comes running. And, you know, and she's just overwhelmed with grief. And he reaches up, and he's got, you know, all that, and he's just saying, I'm making all things new. And I'm like, whew, man, I was just thinking about it, and I want to tear up. I mean, I, can't, I couldn't even watch it again. I mean, I mean just tears, but the... I mean, I just encourage you, if you can go back through that and watch it, watch it. Because, I mean, there's a reality you know, under supervision for younger people, please. But but the reality is, is that, you know, there's a place that God's saying, there's no, that's not any wimpy thing that I did on the cross for you. You know, it was the greatest thing that he could have done. You know, and we'll get to some of those scriptures here in just a second. Let's make it through chapter 6 here. These things... He said in the synagogue. And the reason I share that is because the reality of what he's calling these disciples to, the reality of what he's calling us to, may be a different level than what we're even thinking, even thought. Because what they were thinking is, wow, this is interesting. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, his disciples, not the Pharisees, not the rulers, this is his disciples speaking now. Jesus, the people that followed him, the people that saw the 5,000 fed, the people that saw the raised, dead raised, sick healed, blind, blind open their eyes, deaf hear, same people, same people. All of a sudden they said, wow, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And he says, Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you should behold the Son of Man ascending? where he was before. And this is the call of life. It is the Spirit who gives you life. The flesh profits absolutely nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who what? Do not believe. Whoa, wait a second. Who's he talking to here? Pharisees, please tell me he's talking to the Pharisees. Please tell me he's talking to other people. And you say, no. Hey, there's some of you who do not believe. So that's what that's this that's this whole we've been on this two or three month journey of faith because God is calling the church to rise up in this moment, in this season, in this time. Not to have our heads in the sand, but to rise up in faith, believing not only for this nation, but for the world, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what he declared. Now look at this. For Jesus knew that from the beginning there were some who did not believe him and who it was that would betray him. For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to the Father. In 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and they were not walking with him anymore. Wow, this is that statement. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Why? Because it's relationship. It's not about the signs anymore. It's not about being filled and getting hung, you know. Seeing, you know, eating of the bread and eating of the fish. Those are awesome things. I am all for those, by the way, FYI. I want to see, I want to see some, uh, some dead rays. I want to see some sick healed. I want to see some people free. That's what, God, that's what the kingdom of God is. But if that's it, then we wouldn't have never had the love chapter, right? First Corinthians is like, you know, you can, you can do all these things, but if you have not love, what? Noisy gong, clanging cymbal. You, know, you can speak with the tongues of angels. You know, so the Lord's calling us into what? Relationship. Heart relationship. 
And what he says, I love, Peter, Peter didn't get a lot of things right, but Peter got this one right. Yeah, I love this in Peter. This is, my fa- this is probably one of my favorite statements of, of the word. 67, Jesus said, therefore turn to the twelve and said, you don't want to go away also, do you? And Peter answered and said, make this something in their, our spirit. Lord, to who else, where else, who else? Where, where, where would we go? Because why? You have the words of eternal life. There's none like you. There's none but you. And so therefore, the, the Lord is just declaring that and, and, and speaking that to us today. And I love this. And we have believed. Look, look at that last statement. We have believed but we haven't, didn't stop there. We didn't just start stop with believing. This is Peter's, this is why it's so crucial. This whole message is about this moment. We have believed and we have come to what? Know that you are the Son of God. That's the place that we've got to come to. Not only believing, I mean, that's a good, that's a good start. God says, you know, that Romans 10, 9 passage. You know, if we've confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord... Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be what? Saved. Come on, y'all didn't say that much with conviction, right? You will be what? All right, just checking. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. What's, what's, this, the, what's the belief start with? Jesus, you did what you did on the cross. You went to the resurrection. That's, that's, that's what starts the process of being saved. Now, the problem is if we just stay there, I mean... Any of you guys, if, if if I married Leah and said, you know, I love you, I did all my, you know, we went to the aisle and we did all the stuff and we said all the, you know, things that we would do forever and ever. And and I went out the door and I said, well, Leah, this is great. We have loved each other the most that we can love each other. You know, we'll see, I'll see you in heaven. I mean, who, I mean, would anybody sign up for that marriage? No, why? Because there's so much more to this person than walking down the aisle and saying the I do, right? There's so much more to Jesus than saying the I do. That's a good start. And if you miss, some of us might need to do that tonight, today, or tonight, you can do it tonight too, but today's better. Today's a day of salvation. So there's this place that, man, when I say the I do, I want to get to know her. I want, to, when I get to say the I do, I want to get to know who Jesus is. Because he says, when I behold him and I believe in him, he draws me and walks with me. And that's the place where we're at today. And so um, I'm going to get the crew. I'm hoping that there's several people in here because I don't see Tulio. I see Swifty. Um, they're going to start passing out um, some of the elements of communion. And I'm going to get a little illustration ready for that. Sorry, it was a trash can of life, right? You'll see in just a second. I know. I've got, sorry, I guess get weird illustrations. Well, actually, this is not a weird illustration. It's not really mine either. I grabbed this one. I stole this one from Danielle. Bradford. 
Danielle shared with uh, go on, actually flip, your, uh, flip all the way to communion. I was going to read through some of the, uh, the actual uh, you know, resurrection scriptures, but the reality is in, in John 6, you get so much bread of life, resurrection. I don't, like, that's what he was trying to point them to. He was trying to point them to the resurrection, to, the, to that life. So I'm going to get the guys to go ahead and, y'all can go ahead and start passing out. If you don't want to take communion this morning, you don't feel at this point you're ready, or if you just don't feel like this is a time and a place to do that, please feel free to just pass that on by. There's no, no one's looking, no one's judging. So I always say that. Sorry. You know, communion's just a time between you and the Lord, and as a, we're going to do it as a body, because I believe that's a great thing. Um, Danielle, about it was actually a mistake. I was even saw it, which was a good mistake. We were doing. Uh, I was teaching intern, and uh, we had some snow days, and so we had missed some stuff. So I wasn't through from what I was speaking about. Well, but Danielle was supposed to start the day that she came up, and and we didn't realize she was coming. And so I was supposed to speak, and she was supposed to speak, and I was like, shoot, I want to hear what you guys say. So she just, she just spoke, and she took this scripture, which we aren't going to do, and broke it down in Philippians. It's not probably one that you get with communion all the time. But this just this illustration impacted me. Um, and like I said, I wasn't even supposed to see it. I would, I probably would not have been there had I known Danielle was speaking. Let's look at the scripture as they're passing this out. It says, "Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, although he existed in the form of God." So this the reality is that Jesus was equal, and of course he was full, so I'm going to attempt to do this without breaking or spilling, which could be a challenge. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard himself in the form of God, right? He did not Consider himself equal. What did he say? Sorry. Although he exists in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God. Right? Jesus took on something. It was lower. A thing to be grasped. Does Does everybody have some? Just hold on. Sorry, I should have said that too. You've already taken it? That's fine. Hold on to it and we'll take it as a body if you have it. If you don't have anything, if you don't have one, raise your hands because I, I want to get those to you. We're not, not always the most fluid in trying to get stuff through. So, God, Jesus, made himself lower. Yeah. So I'm going to put, I'm going to allow Leah to have God for a second. 
Danke. But he did what? What did he do? He emptied himself. And he made himself, and he took on the ex- form of man. Right? Made himself, emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of man. did this for you. Why? So he could relate to you? So he didn't have to be somebody that was not unrelatable to you? I love that scripture in Hebrews. We have such a great high priest. He's gone before us. Why? I just want to read that scripture. It's it's so good. Hebrews 4. I want to blotch it. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast this confession that we're making today. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, that he was without sin. I was going to kind of have maybe blotch this one up, but I didn't didn't do it. But he was without sin, of course. But I love that. Because of that, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace. We have a great high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses. But being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He was broken. That's what he did for us. Surely our griefs he himself bore. Our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell on him. And by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Cool part about that? Resurrection, right? Resurrection. So that me, I could live this life out like this. Pure, spotless, blameless, not because of me, because of what he did on the cross. And that's what we celebrate today. As we take communion, I just encourage you, take on what Jesus did on the cross. Receive him into the boat. Receive him into the places of your heart that maybe have been distracted or maybe love has been distracted. Something has been distracted. But God is saying, I'm drawing you back to a place of the revelation that not only was I broken, but I am resurrected. 
same form, (laughs) same likeness, same power, same authority to do what I've declared from the beginning, to give you life. I am the bread of life. So I want to take this communion reference to that. 1 Corinthians, this next passage just is that passage. I'll just read it from there. Go ahead, Amy, to the next. For this reason, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Actually, flip back to that. That's another good one. For this reason, this is the, the end of the Philippians passage. For this reason, God highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name which is above every name. That's good news. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What better way to do that on Easter Sunday is to declare Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. Maybe you maybe need to do that in a, a first-time way of declaring Him Lord of your life, believing that He was raised from the dead, confessing Him as Lord, being saved. But some of us maybe just need to reinstate the fact that He is Lord of our life. Right? What better way to do that with communion? Go on to that next thing. We'll end with this. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. This is the Passover supper that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed. He knew what he knew where he was going. He knew what he was going to do. He took the bread and when he had given it thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's just take the bread. Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken. Thank you for the the, the beatings that you took on your back. The, Lord, that that we could even be healed in relationship to to what you did on the cross. Thank you for sacrificing your your body. Thank you for sacrificing your life for mine. Thank you for exchanging that glory, the glory of sin. Even just That's why you could say that for the joy set me before me, I can endure the cross because you knew it was for me and you knew it was for us, each one here. That's the joy that you had set before you when you went to the cross because you knew that each person would have an opportunity, a choice, a decision that they could walk in supernatural relationship with you. So, Lord, thank you for your body that was crushed for us, God, that was broken for us. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. And I just praise you and thank you for that sacrifice. In Jesus' name. Go on to that next one, Amy. In the same way, he took the cup also after dinner, saying... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's just take the cup together. Lord, thank you for the blood. Thank you for that even as we sang earlier, it makes us white as snow. 
makes us our sins that were scarlet, white as snow. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, that we get, that that's the great exchange, Lord, that you made on the cross. And so, Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed for us, God. As your side was pierced through for our transgressions, God, we thank you that, God, you made that provision for the freedom as we confess and repent, God, that we can be free of the sin of this world. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we bless you. For as often as we eat this bread and drink the cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we do. We proclaim his death until he comes. And that's good news. And that's the reality of it. The, the heaviness of what that brings can also bring the freedom and the fullness of what he has declared into it. And that's freedom. Freedom from this world. Freedom from the things of it. Life and life abundantly. Life and life eternal. That's what God's called us to. And the cool thing about the other thing, I always call it the, kind of the other side of the cross. What did he do at the same time the cross was... You know, when he died and said it is finished, what else happened? Something very significant. The veil was torn. The veil was rent. The veil that was between the Holy of Holies and the holy place that, that only the priest could go into. It was a place that nobody could even step into or they would die in relationship to sin. What did he do? Well, the blood had been paid for that. Now we... And that's the glory of being a Christian in this day and age. We can come to the Father. We can come to the Son. We can come to the Holy Spirit and walk with Him and see Him walk with us. That's good news. That's news worth living for, that's for sure. So that's what I'm going to encourage us today and walk with us today. Let's just stand. Just going to make a quick invitation. Just this place, if we can just close our eyes and bow our heads if we can. Just want to take a minute, I think. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for this morning. I we thank you that for what you've done on the cross, God. I, I just pray, Lord, I'm just believing today you're setting some, some spiritual crosses in our heart. Because there are going to be places that we're going to look to and we're going to be able to find our way. We're always going to have the bearings in our life. We're always going to be able to live, Lord, looking to the cross and looking, Lord, going, moving forward. Just as Paul said, not looking behind. It's a good thing that we don't have to look behind, but striving to what's ahead. Reaching on for the upward prize, for the call of life. The call to life. The call to that place of, Lord, you gave us that statement that you are the bread of life. You're that. You're that which gives us life. That's what gives us bread and, and, and 
our thirst. Lord, you, you, you quench our thirst. And I love that scripture, and I'm just going to end with that, Lord. That there's people in here that need to know you, Jesus, because they've been thirsting and hungering after things that don't satisfy. And so, Lord, I'm just going to offer this moment. I'm just going to ask if anybody in here, there's just a place where maybe you've just never done that. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to see, just acknowledge that, and I'm going to pray for you from where you're at. I just want to know anybody in here that has never made Jesus Lord of their life, that they just want to do that today. Take that step in this walk of life today. It's a place of living eternal life. Not living temporal life anymore. Living eternal life. Anyone in here this day wants to make Jesus Lord of their life? I'm just going to wait a minute. Just encourage you. Like I said, it doesn't take much belief. It takes the belief to know that you did what you did on the cross. And confessing Him as Lord. That's what it takes. Then you get to grow. Anybody in here? Lord, I thank You for, Lord, how You walked with each one of us, drawing us into relationship with You. And Lord, I just thank You that You have just been so faithful, so true to each of us. God, thank You for this Easter that we get to celebrate life, to celebrate, Lord, that that statement that you give life and life abundantly. And so, Lord, I'm just going to believe that for each of us. And, Lord, for some of us in here that are believers, that sometimes this is a difficult statement and it's hard to believe, it's hard to walk. God, I pray right now for just an empowerment of the Holy Spirit to just turn, to turn not, not to the things of the world, but to turn to the cross, to turn to the power of relationship with you, Lord, like they've never turned before. God, that they're going to have that, that constant direction, Lord. Always always giving them the bearing of where they're at and drawing them back into relationship with you, Lord. Drawing them into this relationship with you. It was just, I just kept on hearing, well, I guess was it last night or maybe last night? Like I always hear the Lord in the shower. I'm not sure. Maybe that's the only time I'm by myself a lot of times, but I don't know. I really, really was struggling, really struggling. And just, it's just interesting. Like every time I look on the the news, like I hear about another earthquake and I just felt like they're just, there are just areas just in people that I love, like relationships, but just all over. I mean, people that are really dealing with sickness, um, friends that, I mean, have had families, family members that have just died suddenly, like all these areas. And I just really felt, I I just felt shaken, like just shaken. And so I was just, I was just, just like, Lord, like you've just got to, I've got to hear from you. And I just really felt like he said, he's like, the things of this world will shake. He said, but my kingdom will not be shaken. And I just really felt like he said, like, Leah, you've got to, like this here, 
this world, in this world is tribulation. And there's, there's going to be a shaking of this world. But just like, you know, when Peter, he, he told Peter, he's like, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail. And I just really felt like the Lord was just saying, okay, Leah, you have got, your feet are called to be firm in that which will not shake. And that is, that is the kingdom of God, the, the heavenlies, the things of the spirit, not of the things of the flesh. And I was just really, I just kept on feeling like this place of maybe that call, like there are areas of our lives that, that we're standing on an earth that's shaken. And he's just really calling us in these specific areas is to step out of that into the place where, like, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Mm-hmm. And what he is doing and what will come in his kingdom will not be altered. Like, the victory is set and it is won. And I, I don't know, I just felt like, like in his heart, like the heart of the Father was just saying, okay. Like he said to me, Leah, you've got to step off of here and just step on what is not shaken in me. But oh. CJ, can you guys come back? I just want to end with that. The enemy's been defeated. Can we just do that? I just felt like we just need to make a declaration, proclamation of what Leah was just saying. Uh, we're just going to end with that that song and we just mean, I think that's what the Lord's saying. In this place, we need to make a de- declaration that God is king. Yeah, you can pass your uh, cups to the end. And we're just going to end with this anthem of declaration. <laughs>